Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Ron Corning. This is Horse Sense Street Smart Investing, the podcast. And we have, of course, Clark Hodges from Hodges Capital Management here, along with Alan Ebright. And I'm excited about this podcast because we're talking about a topic that I think really applies to a wide range of people who are watching, regardless of your age. And we'll, we'll address that. But that is the pillars of wealth over time, building your wealth. One of those components, you guys, is investing. Um, and let's start with a quote. I love this quote. You, you go first, Clark. Was this a T. Boone Pickens quote? Right. T. Boone Pickens uh, a few years ago had what he called the Pickens plan. And he'd say on TV all the time, a fool with a plan is way better off than, than a, a genius with no plan. <laughs> a fool with a plan. Now, who determines whether you're the fool or the genius? I mean, that You will, do. <laughs> <that'll>, <laughs> when you look in the mirror every morning. <laughs> every morning you say, which one am I? Because um, you can be a genius with a plan as well. Now, that's really genius. Um, the other one was, if you, you should have planted the tree 20 right. years ago. Someone says, hey, when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, the best time was 20 years ago. If you didn't do it then, today is the second best time. All right. So therein lies who we're addressing here. So there's, let's say, 20-somethings watching. They've started that career where they're beginning to make the kind of income where they're able to save and invest. Um, what would you say to them about step one in making sure that they are thinking about their future? Clark? Live below your means. That paycheck comes in every month. Make sure that there's some left over. And I used to say to people, pay yourself first, figure out a plan to put aside a certain amount of money out of every single paycheck that goes to your future. Mm -hmm. And if you actually will do that, then you can just breathe easy and then pay everything else out in bills and, and what have you, entertainment. And that's a smart, smart move to start and get in the habit of. Now, we're presuming that you've gotten to that point. Let's just establish this where you're not struggling every week to make ends meet. We know there are a lot of a lot of young people starting out. They're strapped with college debt, whole separate issue. We could talk about that on another podcast. Um, so they've gotten to a point where they have the option of living beneath their means. And when, when I think about that, when I moved to Dallas, it's like, do I get the $4,000 a month apartment, which I could afford, or do I get the $2,300 a month apartment? And I looked at them both and I said, why would I put that extra almost $2,000 a month in someone else's pocket if I'm going to rent this place? Right. It's a good way to look at and it. And I, I live just fine. I mean, right. right? I mean, I thought my bed is as comfortable in this apartment as it would be in the $4,000 a month apartment. And then that difference can be spent right. um, somewhere else. But again, I had the luxury of making that choice. Alan, don't you feel sometimes in this age of social media, it's really... There are other pressures and peer pressure, pressure and social pressure that you didn't deal with. People are photographing themselves. Say, I say photograph like I'm 80 years old, <laughs> taking photographs, um, taking selfies and photos in their apartments. They're showing off how they live. Yeah, I mean, I think every generation is guilty of that, right? I mean, we can all go back to our 20s and say, you know, we wanted this special thing or that special thing and we didn't save because of it. We've all been a little bit guilty of it. But at a certain point, you are going to be making an income where you do have to really start focusing on your savings. The easiest thing to do is max out your 401k every year. Um, you know, you can also look into opening up a Roth IRA or just a regular individual account to plow savings into. And the sooner you can start saving money and getting it invested properly, 
the, just the multiplicative effect of that over time is going to give you a huge reward. Would you say, Clark, before you, you talk about paying yourself, how much should you, for example, from your take-home pay, sort of subtract off the top as if it didn't exist and then work with the remainder to live on? How much? Is it, it different depending on what you make? It's is it I think it's different on uh, everyone because in my personal beliefs, 20%, 10% goes to a charitable type thing, church or charity, but 10% goes to me for my future. So 10% will get it done. 10%? Um, yeah, definitely. Okay, so you're making $80,000 annually in your second job and you're 26 or 27 years old. How much of that 80 grand a year do you, so that's $8,000. So 8,000 annually. So if you take that 8,000 annually, you subtract it off the top and you put it into what? What do you do with it? Well, in my opinion, you should invest it and get it out of your hands. And I would do a regular monthly type investment into an investment account where it's not something you can go get at. It's not your bank account where you can just write a check and take it. And so invest in a fund, invest in your own account and buy five shares of your favorite company every month. If that person will do that and get in the habit of the dollar cost average or the regular purchase, I think they have no idea how much far ahead of the game they will be if they'll actually take that step and do it. So just get it out of your hand and I would automate it. Make sure it's automated to where it just goes and you don't have to pick do that step every single month, you know? Yep. So that's almost two pillars of the three pillars we're going to talk about. So you have your income generating job. You take a percentage of that income and you invest it. That's the second pillar. The third one is passive income. That may not be something that happens right away for most people. The best example of that is rental property or real estate. So when you have someone come to you and they've got money to invest and they also have real estate and they say to you, what should I do with this real estate? I have two rental properties you know, I paid, I have a friend who paid 85000 a piece for them. He rents them for $1,200 a month. And he's wondering, do I sell them now because the value's up and invest that money or put it into something else? Uh, Alan, you would say what to that? I, there's nothing wrong with owning real estate, but just be aware that, that real estate's a cyclical asset too, just like the stock market can be cyclical. Um, what I tell folks that have rental property is, this is what's going to happen to you at some point. The rent checks keep coming in like clockwork. You like the tenants. The place is always clean. But all of a sudden, you're going to have to start adjusting your rent up because that's where the market is. Some people become reluctant to do that because they worry that they're going to lose that tenant then. Interesting. Right. And so you have to have that conversation with yourself that if, you know, the average market rent for your area is now up 5% versus what it was the last time the lease came around. You're going to have that talk with your tenants about increasing the rent. If you do that, then you're keeping up with reality. Uh, and real estate's a fine asset to have. I even have um, retired clients and they use that rental income as part of their retirement income. So it's a fine asset class. Because the bottom line is, right, Clark, you borrow money from the bank, the renter pays your mortgage. So they're paying off your debt. And you're the one who's fully gaining the benefit of the appreciation of the asset over time. Right. And you are going to be in the real estate business. And so 
at some point, like Alan referred to, you're going to go have to go out and get new tenants. You're going to have to uh, spi spice up the place, paint uh -huh. it, something breaks. So you're investing your money and it's a good investment. But at some point, you're going to have to put work into that investment. In my mind, that's the difference between the stock market and that. You don't have to get in the investment business and actually physically spend time repairing, if you will, your portfolio uh, of stocks. Yeah, you're not going to be on vacation somewhere and get a phone call that the hot water tank is just busted in the rental property that you have. So, so be realistic about what that means, because yep. for those who do well with it, they don't necessarily always share the horror stories yeah. of it when they happen, right? They only talk about, I bought it for this, now it's worth that, I owe nothing on it, I have 3,000 a month coming in from it. But if you can manage through it, I know people who've, who've gotten to the point where they're cash positive enough on the rental property that they have a management company for a percentage mm -hmm. handle all of those problems that you're talking about. And they're building wealth because they're, they have an asset there. And that asset theoretically is going up in value every year, every two years. And the way you build wealth is you own something or you own a bunch of assets and they're adding an asset to their portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, for someone who that will never be an option for passive income, are there other options? Yeah, for sure. There's options to own a stock that pays a dividend, that they send that monthly or quarterly check to you. That's passive income. Mm -hmm. you know? So there's definitely those kinds of options in, in the stock market. There's preferred stocks. Sometimes co corporations will issue preferred stocks, and those pay a little bit better dividend. And so there's definitely that in stocks. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. All right, Alan. So, so with that option, with the dividend paying stock, you can early on in, in your investing career, you can just roll that dividend back into the stock, correct? Correct. Yeah. So you've got two options. You can either take the dividend as a as a income stream to you, or you can have it reinvested back into the company. And you, as the owner of that stock, have the decision on what you want to do with it. So you're almost getting free free stock in a way. You well, yeah, correct. Using their money to correct. buy their stock back. Um, Correct. Clark, so that would be, is that the moment where your retiree clients say, I'm ready to take the dividend from that stock as opposed to rolling it back in? Usually yep. that's the case. When you're approaching retirement or you are retired, you're going to take that money uh, and have it sent home to you after several years of reinvesting that dividend. That's usually the case. Um, is this too specific to ask? I don't know if it is, just tell me. But generally speaking, a client who has a middle income job, they've invested for 30 years under your guidance, and they get to a point where they are putting that retirement together. Um, what can a portfolio pay out in dividends on a regular basis? Generally speaking, are we talking a few thousand a month? Well, I'd we give it a percentage. You know, percentage? You, you, can, you can stand to make three to 5% depending on the company and the risk level of the company. If you run across a publicly traded company- Are you saying three to 5% per month? No, three to 5% annually. Okay, annually. Yeah. So if you've got 200,000 invested in um, a certain company, what did I say, 200,000, 5%, you could get 10,000 annually in dividend right. income. Right, okay. and so on top of the capital appreciation of that 200,000, let's say you started with 100 30 years ago, and now it's 200, and you're getting the income, you co that compounds your return on that investment. Mm -hmm. And so you're getting that income level come in 
and the value of your asset, like the real estate, like the rental home has gone up in value. So that's the reason people do it. When we talk about the latte factor, or we (laughs) see all of these ads, right? You know what that is. Um, If you just stop drinking one less Starbucks a day, poor Starbucks, we always pick on them. (laughs) I don't know of any other, (laughs) I mean, when you say Starbucks, you're almost talking any coffee, right? It's like Kleenex. Um, So you stop doing your latte a day. Maybe you get done with a subscription service to Netflix. I saw where Warren Buffett had said, you know, that's all good and fine, but that's not gonna help you get wealthy. It may make you feel a little better about your personal budget. Um, He says the key is generating more income. And when I read that on the surface, I thought, well, that not everybody can just go out and get a job that pays them more money. Um, I don't think he means that exactly. What does he mean? Well, I I mean, going back to your latte example, sure. You mean you can always cut back on budgetary items and it is fun to kind of run the math on a $4 latte five days a week for a year. That'd be what, 80 bucks a month. You know, you're almost a thousand dollars worth of lattes in a year. And you look at that and go, yikes. Do I and you say, really okay, need- if I'd put that in <laughs> right. Tesla stock since 2017, sure. I could have turned that into, yeah. But then there's a, a reality of it that you just like that daily latte and that makes it through the day or helps you make it through the day. Um, I mean, it, it really is pretty simple. The earlier that you can start saving and investing, the better off the trajectory of your money is going to be. It Mm -hmm. it really is that plain and simple. And, you know, it's very hard when you're in your 20s and 30s to think about retirement. Most people don't even think about it at that age. But when you start getting into your 40s and maybe, you know, the the calendar turns to age 50, I spoke about this on, on another podcast. That's where you need that financial checkup. And what I do with clients like that is we sit down and we pencil out, okay, you want to retire at 65. That's 15 years from now. If you want the same type of financial lifestyle you're having right now, you need your portfolio to be at this number. And this is how we attempt to get you to that number. So investing, you have to have a goal. And the goal is to get to a number where you can replicate your current situation in retirement. That makes most people happy. I've found that to be true. And so we can really help a person with that and sketch it out for them. But I would take issue with Warren Buffett because I think he's too rich to understand the mindset that that creates is a good mindset. I'm glad you said that. That's why I I mean, I like him a lot and I appreciate the way he lives below his means. But when you have that kind of means, nonetheless, you sort of do lose sight of what that everyday person is doing to make ends meet. Do you know the mindset of giving up some short term temporary pleasure for your financial future? That's a good thing to have. Not a bad thing to have. No, I think I and I, I think when you say live below your means, you're not saying deny yourself experiences in life. But for example, you can fly to Hawaii. You don't have to go first class, right? You can stay in a nice place. It doesn't have to be the Grand Wailea. I mean, I'm just right. sort of pointing out how over time, those kinds of decisions, if that money is put to a different use, you know, your Instagram page may not be as pretty, 
at the place down the street as it would be at the Grand Wailea. But, you know, you can always sneak over there and take the photo there <laughs> if you're staying Use there. filters. Right. I mean, <laughs> use fil lots of filters. Um, but no, I mean, I think that adds up over time. So you're not saying deny yourself life experiences. No. You're saying make better decisions about what's within your means so you can take that 10% off the top. So that's the person who plants the tree at 27 and at 47 is like, thank goodness I planted that tree 20 years ago. The person who's 47 says, when's the second best time to plant the tree? And you say, today. today yeah. All right, so let's talk about them. And I had a friend who at 50 did not have a lot to show for it financially and is turning 70 next spring and is doing pretty well because he did everything, Alan, that you said that someone at 50 should do. He found a number, he assessed it, he made changes. Um, yep. How do we help people who are at that age, who aren't where they thought they should be, not feel hopeless? Uh, a 20 minute phone call, seriously. That's what we help people do. And you know, sometimes it just seems so overwhelming for a person to try to figure this out for themselves. Um, some people don't know that you can make um, extra contributions to your 401k when you're over 50. I told that to somebody and I, I had no that. idea about I, that. I didn't know that. Exactly. So there's little When you things. say extra contributions, a larger percentage? Catch up. Claire. That's correct. Catch up contributions. And they can be very meaningful. So it's just uh, something that that is allowed for people over 50 to increase their savings rate. Is that universal or is that per company plan? Universal. Universal. Really? Yep. I haven't read that in the fine print. I might be nearing that age. We need a 20 could... minute conversation <laughs> together then. My gosh, we have 20 minute conversations here in front of everybody on a regular basis. And it, so we're Indeed. having it right now. Everybody. We're having it right now. Yep. Who do you go to? Do you go to your HR person and say, hey, can you tell me about the catch up contribution plan for the 401k? Or do you call directly whoever's managing your company? Plan 401k? administrator. Yeah. yeah, you call, call your plan administrator, your HR person will give you the number and you get on that that plan where you're increasing your your savings. And, and then another right. thing to do is is check your allocation in your 401k because maybe you started this thing so long ago and you checked this box and it had you allocated and you look and it wasn't growing at the rate you thought it was growing. Well, you could change that up to hopefully to achieve that goal. Uh -huh. So these are all the, the things that I talk with a person about when we sit down together to try to get them in the best place they can be when they want to retire. I have a specific 401k question for you, Clark. Um, if you're able to borrow against your 401k and pay it back over a period of time, should somebody who's been with a company for a very long time and that money is untouchable but can't be invested in specific stocks. Is it in their best interest to draw some of that out as a loan, pay it back with their income and give it over to you to manage? No, no, I wouldn't do that because you're paying interest. You, there's, there's, but aren't there's, you paying the interest to yourself when you borrow against your 401k? I don't know. Well, having done it once, um, you are, you're paying yeah. the interest to yourself. No, I did. I took a small okay. amount out one time for a down payment on a house, right? So I took a small amount out and over the next six months, I paid it back and it was interest to myself. But then I wondered, did I pull it out when the market was at a low and therefore I didn't benefit from the market going up over the next six months? Like I wondered those things and I didn't really know. Right. But that was a source for me early on in my, in, in my life to be able to buy a house that consequently went up in value. Right, you know, there, I, can, I can hear my dad saying in your lifetime, you're going to pay interest on necessary assets like a house. Mm -hmm. 
But if you can avoid paying interest on non-necessary type things, do it because there's only so much money that comes through your hands in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And interest is really just getting paying something for nothing, mm -hmm. right? Obviously, if you have a house, you've, you've, you've paid for a house and that's worth it. But a car that it depreciates in value. So don't take on extra interest payments just because. So you cringe Agreed. when you hear about that yeah. person who might have gone the distance to make that great investment of buying a condo, but then they put $20,000 on a line of credit to furnish it. Right. But, but most people, I would dare say, are thinking about taking a loan from their 401k to buy a Cadillac. I mean, uh, so if you're turning around investing it, that's probably a decent idea, I mm -hmm. would say. Yeah. You're borrowing money and hopefully you'll beat the interest that you're paying yourself in that case in the stock market, let's say. But if you're if you're borrowing money against your 401k and you're paying for a vacation or what have you, that's probably not a smart move. Yeah. Agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it, guys. I mean, we covered a lot of ground here in, in a short amount of time, and we really appreciate it. And we, of course, appreciate all of you for watching and for listening uh, to Horse Sense Street Smart Investing, the podcast. I'm Ron Corning, along with Clark Hodges and Alan Ebright. We will see you next time. Hodges Capital Management Incorporated, HCM, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC is a wholly owned subsidiary of Hodges Capital Holdings and serves as investment advisor to the Hodges Funds. HCM is affiliated with First Dallas Securities Incorporated, a broker, dealer, and investment advisor registered with the SEC. This discussion is not intended to be a forecast of future events and should not be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing involves risk. Principal loss is possible. Investing in smaller companies involves additional risk, such as limited liquidity and greater volatility. No current or prospective client should assume that information referenced in this communication is a recommendation to buy or sell any security or is a substitute for personalized investment advice from your individual advisor. HCM does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor for any related questions. All information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable and is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. This material was created for informational purposes only and the opinions expressed are solely those of HCM. HCM shall not in any way be liable for claims and makes no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and are subject to change without notice. To learn more about the topics we covered in this episode, visit HodgesPrivateCapital.com. Continue the conversation on our Facebook page. Listen and download this episode and previous episodes on Apple Podcasts and on all other podcast platforms. <laughs>